Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is um, Sav Cameron, and um, I'm on team here at Gateway Baptist Church. So my role is called... Gateway Ministry School Director. It sounds a bit fancy, but really, it's just an opportunity for me to journey alongside people who want to grow deeper with God and want to influence their world. And they come and do that and through different courses that we offer here at Gateway Baptist Church. So I get to do that. It's such a privileged position. I'm also um, a wife to a man called David. I think a photo of him's coming up. He hates it when I show this photo. He's like, why do you do this <laughs> to me? Um, he doesn't always come with me to the different campuses. But this is David. So please meet David. And I'm also a mum of three beautiful children. And this is a photo of us in New Zealand. We were able to travel, right? This is only like a year ago. Like, really, it was only like a year ago. And um, so I have a daughter, Matea, who's turning 16 in like three weeks' time. And my twin boys have just turned 13. That's right, 13 years old and 16-year-old. So my household is now officially full of teenagers, which means lots of hormones, lots of conversations, lots of arguments, and um, we have a really full life together. Imagine all these teenagers during the pandemic and being locked in at home together. Was lots of fun. Now, I love my kids, and um, they say hi to you as well this morning. Look, um, we are in the middle of our prayer series. I think we're probably about two-thirds of the way through on the Teach Us to Pray. And this is, has been a great series for us to go line by line of the Lord's Prayer, where he's teaching us how to pray. And today, I get the privilege to talk to you about the area of forgiveness. So let's read together in the line here. It says, um, Matthew 6, 11 to 12. It says, give us today our daily bread. I believe you've done the daily bread already, which is great. I'll put in there for some other context later on. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, forgiveness is an incredible concept to wrap our heads around. It is complex, and um, by no means is it um, something that can easily just kind of be overcome in one sermon. So I do want to acknowledge that as we talk about forgiveness today, that they might bring some emotions in some of us, because um, as I have done this personal journey myself in the past two weeks um, of looking at forgiveness, what it means for me to be forgiven, what it means for us as a group of people to forgive others, we have to kind of lie in a bit of the mess that we find ourselves in. And that isn't easy sometimes. It is confronting, and um, I do want to acknowledge that with you today. But Jesus talks about forgiveness lots of times in the scripture. God talks about forgiveness as well. And here where he's asked us to pray, he talks about it because he knows on the other side of forgiveness, there is freedom for you and for me. Just before this prayer, before he says to the disciples, this is how you pray, he said this in Matthew 6, verse 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Every single request that we see in the Lord's Prayer is actually a need in our life that God would like to meet. So we just read about the daily bread. You've done a whole day of that. The way he's concerned about not just um, about your physical needs, but he's also concerned about our inner world needs as well. And that part of our life that is called the soul and the spirit. Jesus asked in the gospel, what profits a man 
to gain a whole world and loses his soul. So verse 12 in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive our debtors, is like Jesus is giving us a pattern to order the inner world part of our being. Our soul, which is those consists of emotions and feelings and desires and our affections, the part of our being that relates and interacts with the world around us. It also talks about our spirit, which is the part that is immortal and is eternal. And together, the soul and the spirit in our being allows us, gives us the capability and also the capacity to connect and commune with God and with other people. Look, the whole area of soul and spirit, um, there's a lot of research into that. And forgive me for giving you such a rudimentary explanation of something that's really quite complex today. But it, I'm saying all of this and giving you these really simple definitions as to point out this to you, that God is not only interested in our physical needs, but he's interested in the needs of our inner world, where he wants it to flourish not just eternally, but in the here and now. So Jesus re-emphasizes forgiveness again. This is how important it is for him. So after the whole of the Lord's Prayer, at the end he says to his disciples, you know, you've got to forgive others because if you don't, your heavenly Father won't be able to forgive you. He wants us to pay attention to forgiveness and the need for forgiveness in our life because it has great implications. Implications on how we relate to God, how we commune with him and have relationship with him. And also, it has implications on how we relate to others around us. So what is this debt that we talk about? Forgive us this debt. Now, I have in my hand here, you know what I just realized? Most of my bills is in my husband's name. So <laughs> that's kind of cool, <laughs> as I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> so it's my husband's debt in which we share. <laughs> we have a vehicle registration we have uh, from Urban Utilities for our water. We have our RACQ renewal notice as well. And I'm sure much like you, you guys have many bills like this sitting at home. And these are the debts that we carry. And we might have a mortgage as well. Whatever the debt that you have, we all have debts, right? Is anybody here debt free in any shape or form? No. You are? Really? No, not even the credit card? Wow, okay, so um, I hope this message blesses you in some other way. <laughs> and I really admire that. Maybe we can have a discussion afterwards and maybe the whole of this, maybe you can come up here and tell us how to be debt free. That is incredible. Congratulations to the few people that raised their hands. I have much to learn from you. So I'm not debt free, um, but the debt that Jesus is referring to here in the Lord's Prayer is not an economic debt. You know, scripture tells us that you and I, we carry a debt, and that debt has been paid. Let's read together in Colossians. Colossians 2, 13, verses 13 to 14 says this. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespass by cancelling all the record of debt that stood against us and its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. These bills, the currency that pays for this is money, right? But the debt that Jesus is talking about, the currency that is being paid for us is through him and is through the forgiveness that comes from that. So forgiveness is the currency that is used to pay for our debt. 
this whole topic of forgiveness is a large and deep topic. And my hope today is that we walk away knowing that forgiveness is actually a way of life that God has intended for you and for me. It's not just something that happens in a moment in time. It's actually something that happens on a daily basis. Today, we're going to look at a moment in time in the life of King David. And in Psalm 32, King David gives us a picture of a life of what it looks like to walk in the rhythm of forgiveness. To walk in this rhythm of forgiveness means we have to recognize, firstly, our need to be forgiven. And secondly, recognize the power of confession. And thirdly, recognize our need to forgive others. So that's the little journey we're going to do together today. So stick around. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background um, to this moment in time of King David's life. So he's been making, at the height of his rule, King David um, sees a really beautiful woman called Bathsheba. And you, if you've been in church long enough, you probably have heard of this story. And, you know, Bathsheba is a person who is a woman, a married woman. She's very attractive. He sees her. He longs for her. He desires for her. So he sends for her. And he has a physical affair with her. And she falls pregnant. Now, he realized what he's done. So he decided to go, well, hang on. How do I cover this up? So how about I bring her husband, Uriah, back from war? And then that night, he tries to get Uriah drunk, right? And he, so that he would go and sleep with his wife. But Uriah didn't do that. So then David comes up with another plan, and the plan to actually kill Uriah and gets him killed. Now, some time has passed when all of this has happened. I just gave you like a lot in the book of Kings and Samuel in a very condensed version. You can read his story there. But some time has passed, and one of David's closest friend, Jonathan, comes and confronts him about the things he has done. And that's where Psalm 51, I believe Pastor Derek, if you were here last week, unpacked Psalm 51 with you. That's when Psalm 51 was written, when Jonathan confronts David and David is asking in this psalm for God's forgiveness. He realizes the things that he has committed and knows that that has um, caused a separation in his relationship with God, but it also caused harm in other people. You know, it's the famous psalm that talks about creating in me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit within me. We sing that song. That's the psalm, and that's the context of when that psalm was written. So today we're going to read from Psalm 32, which is like a sister psalm to Psalm 51, where David actually reflects back. So Psalm 32 is a reflection of his um, journey of him coming to understand what sin was and what sin did to him and also what forgiveness that he has received from God has done for him. It's known as a song of a ransomed soul. Remember, God doesn't only just care about your physical needs, he cares about your inner world. And we're going to learn that from David today. So the first couple of verses in Psalm, David paints a picture of what life looks like who lives in forgiveness. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin in the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. You know, this word blessed is um, from the Hebrew word barak. I know I can't speak Hebrew, so I'm doing my best. Um, it means to, to be happy. To, it's a fortunate state and it's a blissful state. It is actually a plural adjective, meaning it's not just once off, but it keeps happening, it, there's a plural adjective to it. It means there's multiple of this feeling. So Charles Spurgeon, one of the great um, preachers of our time, says about this word blessed, that it means the double joys, the bundles of happiness, the mountains of delight. That is God's desire for us. 
When David talks about being blessed here, he's talking about God's desire for us. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. So to walk in the rhythm of forgiveness, we first must recognize our need to be forgiven. So what is this debt that you and I carry and that David carry? So David uses different descriptors in Psalm 32 to give us a fuller picture and a profound insight to the condition of the human heart. He uses the word like sin, transgressions, trespass, and iniquity. They're not really words we use (laughs) in our day and age, but they, they do carry a large meaning. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of that. Look, the Bible Project, who's ever used the Bible Project or been to visit, has a really great like mini clips on um, these words. So they do really great quick word study. So if you would like to know more about these terms, please do go to the Bible Project, a really great resource for you. So the word sin that David used is the word katar, which means to fail morally. It's that part of our human behavior where we give in to our own acts and our desires and our urges to actually do something that benefits us and sometimes at the cost of others. It's where we fall short, where we miss the mark in how we love God and how to love others. So that is the word sin when David talks about sin. And when he talks about transgression and in other translation, trespass, he's talking about the break of trust with others. And iniquity is the word avar, which means guilt, wickedness, or crooked, referring to a path that is not straight. How many of us can relate to these descriptors? What it comes with? Have we ever felt like we missed the mark? Have we ever felt like we have broken some relationship somewhere? Have we ever gone back and thought about, man, I could have said or done something different. What I said and done there wasn't quite right, wasn't quite honest, was a little bit crooked, like the word iniquity. You know, these descriptors we know leads to hurt, broken relationships, and it also leads to anger, and it can sometimes lead to a cycle of retaliation and destruction in our life. I mean, just to look at David, he's an example of that in the story with Bathsheba, right? You know, the sin that he committed is a path that led him to some destruction at the end. Destruction that cost a person's life. Sin didn't start when David decided to get Uriah killed. When did it start? Sin started when he looked at Bathsheba and decided he wanted her. That's when it started. And then he went and acted on it and did something about it. So it started with a look, then led to a lie, led to an affair, and then eventually it led to murder. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. In Romans, it says that. But, you know, we, that's really bad news for us, right? Like if we have done something remotely wrong, that the next answer is really death. Like let's say I say a lie and I've been found out, then the next step for me is death. Now, that's pretty horrible <laughs> to think about. But, you know, enters the good news, you know, we just read it in Colossians, right, where it says that we were, de- as we were dead in our transgressions. Now we know what transgressions mean, when we have broken trust with others. We, as we were dead in that, meaning the penalty of our sin is death, when we do something that breaks a relationship or that is not right with God, the next step for us is death. But yet it says here that, even when we were found dead in that, in God's eyes, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven all, not just some, 
or of our trespasses by cancelling all the record of debt. That's pretty cool. Now, you don't have a physical debt, you guys, that you raise your hands. But for those of us who do have some monetary debt, wouldn't it be awesome if someone turned up when they say, here's a million bucks and you can just pay off all your debts? Could you imagine what that would feel like? Now, this in, you know, internal debt that we have, this part of our soul and spirit that we carry, Jesus has paid for that debt. You know, we all have sinned. We all deserve to die. We all deserve the punishment of sin. But yet Jesus pays the biggest price tag for us so that we can be forgiven. And forgiveness is that currency that he used. You may ask and sit here and go, well, thanks, Sav. Like, that's a really cool thing. That, thanks for letting me know that Jesus has done all of that for me. So if he has, why is it so necessary for me to ask for forgiveness on a daily basis? Why is Jesus asking for that? Why is he saying, you know, give us today our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forget our debtors? Why is that necessary if Jesus has done it all? You're right, Jesus has done it. You know, the... Forgiveness that we found in Colossians here is done and completed by Jesus. It actually resets us to the right standing with God eternally. But remember, he's not just caring about our eternal state. He cares about this state, where we are today, right here and now. You know, so the forgiveness that Jesus talks about in the Lord's Prayer is actually the forgiveness that restores us to relationship and fellowship with him and with others on a daily basis. You see, when you sin, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, we kind of rack up this debt, right? We rack up this debt and we, and the only way um, to, sorry, let me just say that again. We rack up this debt and when that happens, as you know in relationship with others, when you've done something, there is a gap in your relationship with them. That is the same with God. Right? So when we've done something, there is something that comes between us and God and it disrupts our fellowship with him. So when we're asking in the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis for God to forgive us as we forgive others, we are asking for the forgiveness that restores our fellowship with God. You know, do you want to have a fellowship with God right now or are you just waiting to have a fellowship with God eternally? We want both, Right? We want to have a robust and beautiful relationship with God right now as well, and then not just into, into the eternal. So we need to recognize that our need to be forgiven is real. And this is, that this is what this message was really about, is that we need to be forgiven so that our relationship with God can be restored in the now and into the future. And secondly, to walk in this rhythm of forgiveness means we need to recognize the power of confession. That's right. It actually requires something of us. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me read that again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that an incredible promise? An incredible promise. Jesus has done it all. We read that. He's done it so that our eternal state can be restored to him. And now he's giving us this promise that if we confess it, he's, he's faithful to do it. So when was the last time you confessed your sins to God? 
When was the last time you actually came actively into his presence and confessed your sins? Was it today? Was it yesterday? Was it last week, last month, last year? Was it when you said the Lord's Prayer for the first time and you became a Christian? When was the last time you actually came and asked him for forgiveness? You know, I read in an article when I was doing research for this um, in Psychology Today, there's an article called Unlocking the Vault of Secret Keepers. It looked at people who had never confessed their secrets. In other words, people who you know, kind of held on to the things they've done and didn't want to talk about it. It says of these people that they most likely would suffer from headaches, cancer, back pain, depression, flu, and nausea than those that don't keep their secrets. You see, our being is in jeopardy when there is unconfessing in our life. There are consequences for unconfessing in our life. So let's go, let's continue in Psalm 32 of what it, was like for David and what the outcome for him was when he didn't confess his sin. He says this, Psalm 32, 3 to 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That sounds painful. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. The secret sin in our heart has consequences to our total being. It torments us physically, mentally, and also into our soul and spirit. And the article from Psychology Today confirms that, as we just read. You know, David in this psalm, he feels the consequences of his sin. You know, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, and I was groaning all day and night. However, David, did found, he found an avenue, and that is through confession, Psalm 32, verse 5, let's read on. It says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, when David said this, when I acknowledged my sin and I did not cover it up, it reminds me of the story of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve first sinned, what happened? What was their first reaction? They covered their nakedness because for the first time, they felt that they were naked and saw that that wasn't a good thing. They felt shame. So they went and covered and hid from God. Now God went looking for them and he confronts them and asked them to come out and said, guys, you've got to remove that. But you know what God did in his kindness? He got a lamb and he used the lamb's skin to cover Adam and Eve. He replaced what Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with, with the lamb's clothing and isn't that a beautiful and powerful picture of what is to come, of what God has done through our Lord Jesus, where he became the ultimate lamb, and with him, he covered all of the sins of humanity. You see, when you expose your sin to God, when you confess your sin to him, he will cover it. The thing is, he knows it anyway, right? So, but when you actively come and confess your sin to him, he will cover it. And that's the promise we have just read before. But if you hide your sin, you will suffer the consequences of it. David is saying in this psalm, if you haven't picked up, I am done covering. He owns his sin in this psalm. He said, my sin, my transgressions, my trespass, my iniquity. You know, confession it's a real significant discipline for us because it reminds us of our need for God's mercy and grace through his forgiveness. 
but it also reminds us that in light of us receiving that mercy from him, we need to also reflect the same mercy and into our relationships with people. So thirdly, to walk in the rhythm of forgiveness, we must recognize the need to forgive others. In the Lord's Prayer, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. This word as, I'm sure there's teachers in the room, so you can correct me after if I'm wrong. It's a conjunctive word. It's a conjunction word. It indicates that something is happening while you're doing something else. So two things are happening at once, right? So as you forgive your debtors, something else is happening. You are being forgiven. So this, the thing is happening at the same time. So it's not like one thing happens and then it's in isolation of the other. This word tells us that we are empowered and compelled to forgive others. And as we do, we will also be forgiven. You may say, you know, Sav, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the afflictions I have experienced, the offense that people have caused me. How could I possibly forgive? Can I acknowledge with you, I, I know that. I know that there may be people in this room where you have experienced enormous amounts of pain caused by another person. I by no means think that it is easy, but you know, scripture does tell us, and it does not deny that there is a consequence to sin. I'm not placating that people do not need to live the consequences of what they've done. But also my encouragement to you is this, when I read the word of God, is that when you feel there is no possible way within you to give forgiveness or to grant forgiveness to someone, Jesus has made it possible for you. There is definitely a way. And do you know what? In fact, we as people have been designed with the capability to forgive. Um, the Science Center of the University of Berkeley says this, psychologists generally define forgiveness as this, a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment towards a person who has harmed you, regardless whether they are actually deserving of your forgiveness. That's really quite confronting, isn't it? But what it does say is that it is a conscious and deliberate decision to let go of the feelings and resentment. Doesn't mean that that person doesn't have to pay for the sins that they've committed, but it means you can release them, release yourself from the feelings that they have caused against you. And you know what else? This is um, probably one of the most revelation I've received when I read this article. They concluded this. They concluded that we also as people have the capacity, the capacity for forgiveness is an intrinsic part of human nature. The capacity for forgiveness is an intrinsic part of human nature. Is that a revelation to you? <laughs> it was definitely a revelation to me. You know, it's probably it was a bit of a good slap in the back and say, come on, I've actually designed you. God has actually designed us with the capability to forgive because he knows we need it. Or in, in all his infinite wisdom, he knows that we need not only forgiveness from him, but that we need the capacity to forgive others as well. You know, I grew up in a pretty rough home. My dad um, was, let's just say, an alcoholic. He really did abuse that. We have experienced, my brother and I, um, over the years, just you know, levels of domestic violence at home. And he left us when I was seven years old. 
When I was 17, 10 years later, there was an opportunity for me and my brother to reconnect with him. And my mum's like, you know, do you want to do this? And we're like, okay, we're going to go and reconnect with this man that we don't know, really. Or our memory of him wasn't a very good one. So we flew overseas and we spent two weeks with him. 17-year-old teenager (laughs) and a 19-year-old flew overseas together who had never really spent any good amount of time with their dad. We were both in the position of going, why are we doing this, first of all? And then second of all, we were asking ourselves, why did he leave us? You know, there were so many unanswered questions. And what did we do wrong as children? Was it our fault that he left us? We, we, didn't, we weren't able to have those conversations growing up, but this is our first opportunity to have that conversation. You know, when I saw him for the first time in 10 years, I had to be honest, I was confronted with a feeling of rejection and hurt. And to be frank, a little bit of anger. Actually, no, a lot of anger in me. And I blame the hormones as a teenager. So I was 17, I was full of anger because I was like, man, dude, like you left us and my memory of you is not that great. You're actually not a very nice man to grow up living with. And plus you left my mum to raise two very small children in a refugee camp Life was tough. And I'm like, and now you want to reconnect and pretend that everything's better? I don't know if I can do that. You know, forgiveness was completely far away from my mind when I saw my dad. But I've heard it said before that unforgiveness is like us taking a drink of poison and we wish that the consequences was on the other person. I did not feel like there was definitely capacity in me at all to forgive, but I also had a choice. Because if I choose unforgiveness, then I choose to carry the hurt. I choose to carry the anger. I choose to remain in that state um, that has inflicted me all of those years. I don't know about you, but have you found yourself in that situation before? It's important for us to recognize that forgiveness is a process. You know, it doesn't happen in a moment in time, in a vacuum, or in an instant. It's actually a process where you need to take some time to process all of your feelings that came from the offence. There are scars that are deep within that you kind of need to look into, and it's definitely not easy. It does not mean that you say it's okay when it's not okay. And also it doesn't mean you go and enter back into a relationship that's harmful to you. I do not condone that at all. Forgiveness is a process of letting go of the feelings of the offence. So at the time, you know, when I was 17, I became a Christian when I was 15. So by 17, I've had a couple of years of understanding this thing called forgiveness of God in my life. You know, and as I read in the Bible, I remember going, God, I know that lots of people in the Bible kind of hurt each other and there was wars and people were killed and things were done. And, you know, what we're really good at as people, intentionally or unintentionally, is hurting each other in some way, shape or form. You know, Jesus, our Lord Jesus did not have it easy, did him? Did he have it easy or no? He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was chased out of his own town, he was gravely misunderstood, he was falsely accused, and then finally he was denied by his friends, by his disciples, that, those that were closest to him. But yet he went through with the plan anyway. You know, he said, Father, as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So I knew that for me, in that moment, I had a choice to make. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and slander, 
along with every form of malice. That was me at 17. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. I had a choice to make at some point in my journey. I can choose to hold on or I can choose to do what the gospel in which I believe says because how can I receive this enormous amount of forgiveness from God for all the things I've done and unable to forgive others? Forgiveness releases the feelings of the offense, whether the other person deserves it or not. And that was the journey I had to go through with my dad. You may sit here today and you'll have your own journey to walk through. And please know that your church family is here with you to journey with you through that as well. You don't have to do this journey alone. You know, his desire for you and I, if you remember back in Psalm 32 at the beginning, is to live a blessed life. A life of, you know, double joys is what Spurgeon says, and happiness and delight. And that can only come if you walk in the rhythm of forgiveness. In closing, I have a quote from a wonderful theologian called N.T. Wright. I'm going to please read along with me. I think he encapsulates in a number of his books um, this whole idea of forgiveness in, a re in really well-termed ways. So I'm going to share that with you this morning. He says this, Unforgiveness towards the offender becomes the controlling influence over the relationship whereby the relationships is held hostage to the crime or the offence that is being committed. Offering forgiveness loosens the bonds of and opens the doorway to love the offender. When we offer genuine forgiveness to someone else, we are no longer conditioned by the evil that they have done, even if they refuse to accept this forgiveness. We are, in fact, called to be people of forgiveness in the present because we are enabled fully and finally to forgive as we have been forgiven. Therefore, not to forgive is to shut down the faculty in the innermost person, which happens to be the same faculty that can receive God's forgiveness. Let me read that again. Not to forgive is to shut down a faculty in the innermost person, which happens to be the same faculty that can receive God's forgiveness. It also happens to be the same faculty that can experience real joy and real grief. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. N.T. Wright. Forgiveness is powerful because it allows our soul and our spirit to be restored in communion with God and also for us to be able to live in peace with others around us. So this morning, we'd like to take the opportunity to take communion together. You would have received this as you're coming in. We're going to spend a little bit of time as the band, the team plays behind us. Can I urge you, we're going to do two things this morning. We're going to take communion and we're going to do something else. But firstly, as we take communion, we, we go back to this part of the Lord's Prayer where it says, forgive us our debts. You know, it is now time for us to come before God and remind ourselves that He has provided a way of forgiveness for us. What can you bring to him today as you take your communion? What is your confession that you are gonna to bring to him today? Can I urge you to spend the next few moments 
coming before God and asking him to forgive you of the things you're going to bring to him today. Let's do that together. Father, we just want to say that as we come before you, you've heard the confessions of our heart, God. You've heard um, the things that we have been carrying inside of us. And today we learn from your word, God, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive us. So as we take communion this morning, God, we remember the price that Jesus paid, the ultimate price that he paid to pay our debts that has been caused against you. So we come before you and we say thank you. We say thank you for your forgiveness in our life. And we recognize, God, that we do need your forgiveness, that we need you to cancel all of our debts so that we can come in right relationship with you, not just in our eternal state with you one day, but right now, right here today. That sin in our life can no longer disrupt our relationship with you, but that we are being restored into fellowship with you today. We say thank you, God, for the sacrifice through your son Jesus for us. Can I encourage you that communion is something that you can do every day in your household. It's not something that you have to wait until church because as we learned today, that as we come before God and confess our sins, He will forgive us. The second part of our response today is, you know, we've just been talking about our need to forgive others. I wonder whether today together, as we come to a close, whether you can think of an offence that you're still holding on to that someone has caused you, or you think of someone that has done that, and that there's prayer cards in your seats Can I encourage you to spend just in the next moment as the singers um, sing this song over us, asking God, who is the God that I need to forgive? And that you write on that prayer card. It's just between you and God. But it's a commitment, a sign commitment that you're actually going to do that in the coming days, in the coming weeks with the help of Jesus. And you know, that is something you don't have to do alone. You know, Jonathan confronted David, but Jonathan stayed with David during that time as well. As the church family, we want to gather around you. We're not asking you to necessarily confess your sins or tell us what someone else has done. But if you would like someone to stand with you today and to believe that God will give you or make enlightenment within you to believe and know that you can and you have capacity to actually forgive those that have wronged you, 
you know, the prayer team will be here in front, at the front. You're welcome to come down and let them stand with you believing in that. But can I urge you, don't walk away today not asking for forgiveness for yourself, but don't walk away holding on onto an offence that someone else has caused you. Don't, don't walk away. Commit it to God. He will make a way, a straight and, and beautiful way for that to happen for you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.